You can transform your business and go beyond one-time purchases with OrderGroove. That's right, OrderGroove is the platform to help you drive subscriptions and recurring revenue, which just translates to customer loyalty and you can get started today. Request a demo and you can get two months off your first contract at ordergroove.com slash futurecommerce. This episode of Future Commerce is brought to you by Yachtpo. Yachtpo has an agile loyalty platform that empowers you to be able to launch a loyalty program quickly. That's right, no dev required. It's time for you to rethink loyalty and it's time for you to think about Yachtpo. Why don't you give them a try? Visit yachtpo.com slash futurecommerce to learn more. Future Commerce is brought to you by Cord Commerce. Cord is a headless commerce as a service software platform that is built specifically for fast growing direct to consumer brands. Learn more about how Cord can help you launch and grow your brand today at cord.co slash future commerce. That's C H O R D.co slash future commerce. Hello and welcome to Future Commerce, the podcast about the next generation of commerce. I'm Philip. Welcome to December. We're in we're in the very last month of the year. It's actually kind of hard to believe. Today, my co-host Brian, he's out. He's on vacation. I'm holding down the fort. I thought I'd do a bit of a different episode. Some of my favorite episodes of my favorite podcasts, uh, most specifically uh, podcasts like Culturally Relevant, are monologue shows. And it's really just one person kind of long form sharing their thoughts and opinions about the current state of affairs. And, you know, right now I'm thinking about all of the things in e-commerce and retail that could be uh, relevant for us to talk about. I mean, certainly we just finished Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I'm an elder millennial, if you will. I'm old enough to remember the engineering challenges of BFCM past. These days, those aren't really the things that we worry so much about. Uh, We worry a lot about whether our our marketing plans are actually going to come into fruition, whether those things are actually going to come to pass, probably not so much about capacity. Uh, so the, the concerns of Black Friday have, have certainly changed. And, and therefore, actually, the stories around Black Friday are, are changing in the media. Nate Polin, who is uh, digitally native uh, over on Twitter, uh, lamented over the weekend about uh, Bonobo's very first uh, Black Friday Cyber Monday you know, brought up this story about how they had a website go up and down and crashing for three days on a measly $1 million in sales. And you look and fast forward now 10 years to where we are now and uh, Shopify handling billions of dollars in revenue over the four-day weekend. You know, they they had a live map as they have for the last uh, six or seven years. Their live map really under their data stories product really showed the amount of activity in BFCM uh, for 2021 is we have the technology in the cloud scale uh, to be able to meet all of the demand. 2021 for Shopify actually wound up pretty amazing. It was, you know, upwards of uh, $2.9 billion in revenue transacted through the through the product. You know, by all accounts, if you were to ask Shopify, uh, it was a gigantic season of growth. It's not the same story everywhere else. And and so, you know, if you look into a few recaps of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you'll see uh, retail analysts and reporters kind of drawing uh, a little bit of a flat line. Salesforce data 
for instance, Salesforce having a, a very large footprint in the enterprise sector of e-commerce, Salesforce uh, showing flat, if not slightly down growth for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Michelle Grant over on Twitter sharing from uh, Salesforce data that uh, high prices uh, led the stories and fewer discounts uh, across the board, at least for Salesforce data. Uh, and their data from a billion shoppers shows that during Cyber Week, prices are up about 11% in the US year over year. And uh, the average discount was about 26%, which is down 8% uh, year over year. Uh, we will link up uh, the uh, resource uh, in the show notes, uh, but it's a really interesting uh, look into some of the data that uh, Salesforce was seeing that was powering some of their brands and uh, performance. So on the Salesforce side, somewhat flat. And on the Shopify side, actually a stellar Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which really kind of tells the tale that even despite all of the challenges in our industry, even despite you know IDFA and cookie list changes and uh, the Facebook versus Apple debacle, hey, a smaller retailer, smaller e-commerce retailers are still capturing year over year a, an appreciating uh, set of customers uh, as those customers begin to look to e-commerce to make their purchases for the holiday season. Kiri Masters, a good friend of the show uh, over on Forbes, wrote an article here just post Black Friday, said that uh, brands are seeing underwhelming sales growth on Amazon's Black Friday. I'm quoting from her article uh, where she says, in general, performance for many brands was somewhat muted compared with a the bumper 2020 sale event. Uh, a considerable factor could be that it appears that shoppers did not flock to Black Friday deals as eagerly this year. Uh, so, uh, you know, according to this article, uh, some of that data, which was uh, uh, sourced from a software provider called PackView, uh, advertising impressions uh, were lower this year, and which was under a 2x increase week over week than, say, what uh, a good, uh, you know, good measure of uh, advertising impressions would have been for the same period in years prior. And uh, that means, you know, to some degree... You know, advertising impressions can be a proxy for uh, measuring actual web traffic. You know, to some degree, if advertising is down, it, it means that either customers have been purchasing steadily before or advertisers are, are relying less on trying to acquire customers during the Black Friday, Cyber Monday holiday season, meaning they're, they're relying on email lists and organic to continue to uh, grow. Uh, one of the things that you saw on Twitter quite a bit uh, over the Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend uh, was a lot of email professionals, including uh, Jacob Sappington and Chase Diamond, you know, a lot of the the sort of Clavio crowd. Uh, they were saying that uh, most of their uh, performing uh, ads weren't the Black Friday deals. Uh, the the ads that were performing the best were really those of the evergreen variety. Uh, it was, you know, branded and evergreen ads uh, that were really the outsized performers and not necessarily the BFCM uh, you know, add touts. And that's, you know, that sort of creative uh, is maybe not working on the consumer in the way that it had in years past, which also signals a real big change. Uh, another data point that's come out uh, from Clavio is that Clavio contributed 1.8 billion uh, to uh, online retailer BFCM activity. And uh, 1.8 billion of the uh, nearly 9.8 billion 
in uh, in in broad e-commerce, uh, uh, you know, BFCM total uh, transaction volume, I, I think you know, Clavio uh, is has become n- not just formidable but dominant uh, in helping to drive retention, traffic, and owned audience uh, purchasing. Full disclosure: Clavio has been a, a longtime supporter of Future Commerce, and we've been rooting for them. We're working alongside them to create some content in 2022. But it's an interesting data point to pull out, and more and more of these types of companies are being transparent with their data, even though they're private companies. As they become more dominant, they're helping us to understand the landscape a little more in the way that they're sharing data. And so I think that that's really notable. You know, Kiri also goes on in this article on Forbes to talk about the actual Thanksgiving Day performance. She quotes an e-marketer forecast that showed that Thanksgiving would have been the highest year-on-year growth for e-commerce shopping, where Thanksgiving Day uh, is usually third in line from Black Friday to Cyber Monday. But despite that forecast, it didn't live up to the promise. And actually, according to PackView, again, cost per click uh, jumped on 100% basis on Thanksgiving Day itself, but it may not have lived up to the number three spot that you know was forecast. Um, so a lot of uncertainty about the actual performance here. And if you look at Adobe Analytics and some of their data, you know it also reinforces that online spend and advertising was down and might have contributed to this flat growth. There's an article over on Barron's uh, that I thought was really interesting as well that covered this Adobe data. Adobe released these statistics from Black Friday and the data coming out on Saturday that showed online sales on Thanksgiving were about the same as a year ago, which supports Curie's article there. But Black Friday sales were down slightly overall from 2020. So it's you know not quite the blockbuster uh, that everyone was hoping for. Remember NRF, the National Retail Federation is forecasting that December would, you know, in total for the entirety of the holiday sales season would tick up somewhere in the realm of about 10.5% and we're just not seeing that come into being just yet. The sales figures from Adobe are compiled from over 1 trillion <laughs> online visits to retail websites. Adobe always flexing their their data volume there. Uh, according 1 trillion online visits, I'm not sure how they measure a visit, but it sounds impressive. That's a thousand billions. Uh, so that sounds like a, a big number. You know, this article on Barron's, you know, really uh, talked about how Adobe is showing that these consumers might have stocked up more before Thanksgiving, something that could have been spurred by a lot of the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that came into play during the run-up to Black Friday. Uh, If you looked in the news, the supply chain crisis, as it was called in the media, was probably a bit overstated and might have pulled some demand forward. I'm not sure how much of that actually would have bled into Q3, say September timeframe, but folks might have been stocking up prior to Thanksgiving. So spending has been up throughout the month, according to Adobe, where 19 days where consumers spent more than $3 billion, as opposed to just five days last year. So while e-commerce on Black Friday might not have grown, it might have been flat overall, that whole run-up to Thanksgiving was uh, as big as ever, and uh, at least according to Adobe. So, hey, people might have been shopping Black Friday around ahead of time to uh, skirt around some of these supply shortages. And some of those supply chain shortages are coming in, into focus. You know, if you look at retailers like Apple, you know, Apple is you know forecasting two to six weeks for delivery on most of their products. Uh, if you're looking to give uh, AirPods uh, or an iPad for Christmas time, you're, it's going to be a long wait. So yeah, another data point out of this article on Barron's, uh, according to Adobe, is that 
there's almost a 100% uptick on out-of-stock messaging. And more retailers now are being transparent than ever before uh, about the you know items being in stock before you get to the purchase. Um, and so the availability of the items becoming a very high factor in whether or not a customer is going to convert. And so, yeah, that's that's a, a big, you know, big point of differentiation here between this year and last year. And even so, even if, you know, I, I would venture to say that even if uh, supply chain didn't have the actual impact uh, in contributing to this uh, flat Black Friday year over year, uh, the anxiety around the supply chain woes have changed the way that customers have shopped for this holiday season. I think we can say at least that much. The article, uh, the Barron's article, stating that you know some of these consumers uh, are also still changing the way that they're shopping. Some of them are buying online and having curbside delivery. So that, that mixed uh, pickup option, mixed in-person and online engagement is making up a good portion of purchases and it's increased 70% this month uh, from years prior. Future Commerce is brought to you by OrderGroove. OrderGroove is the platform that helps you convert those one-time purchases into long-lasting relationships through subscriptions. Your customers are going to enjoy the products that you sell without the friction of reordering when you put it on autopilot with OrderGroove. OrderGroove has enrollment-boosting incentives and retention rewards, and it can fight churn with artificial intelligence. It gives all of that to you, the merchant, to empower you to be successful with your subscription story. OrderGroove can even natively integrate with all of the major e-commerce platforms, all of them, meaning that you can experience seamless shopping for your customers and make it really easy for your employees to manage. Find out why leading brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage all rely on OrderGroove and receive two months off your first contract when you get a demo today. Go find out what OrderGroove can do for you at ordergroove.com slash futurecommerce. I'm so excited to tell you about one of our newest partners here at Future Commerce, Yachtpo. What if you could give your customers loyalty points for writing a review? Or maybe send a birthday offer to your VIPs via SMS? Well, you can do all of that and a lot more with Yachtpo. Yachtpo is an e-commerce marketing platform that integrates loyalty, SMS marketing, reviews, and more. Yachtpo Loyalty has drag and drop modules so that you can build and launch your program with no code, design, or even development. So it's time for you to get more from your e-commerce marketing platform. It's time to get Yachtpo. Visit yachtpo.com slash futurecommerce to learn more. That's Y-O-T-P-O dot com slash futurecommerce. This episode of Future Commerce is brought to you by Cord. Cord Commerce offers a flexible, headless tech stack for some of the fastest growing direct-to-consumer brands. Its cutting-edge technology comes fully equipped with access to meaningful first-party data so that brands can focus on what matters the most, their customers. Its founders previously launched and grew Glossier to the powerhouse that it is today, and that's why Cord is the only e-commerce platform that is created for operators by operators. Find out why brands like Caraway, Amorpho, and others trust Cord with their e-commerce needs. And take advantage of this promotional offer that's exclusive to Future Commerce listeners. 
listeners. Learn more about how you can get your first three months of platform fees waived. That's right, a 90-day head start for your direct-to-consumer brand. Get those fees waived by heading over to core.co slash futurecommerce. That's C-H-O-R-D dot C-O slash futurecommerce. So, you know, another data point to say uh, the way we're shopping has changed forever. It's interesting to see this uh, demand pull forward. I've actually conducted some research over at RightPoint, which is, you know, where I spend my days uh, toiling away in the e-commerce content mines. And we've done some primary research over at RightPoint, particularly in a a report that we put out in, in Q3 called stocking up and seeking out about these two emergent uh, behavioral modes that consumers find themselves in and how e-commerce experiences actually don't really fully meet the needs of customers in the way they say they like to shop. Where most e-commerce brands offer something like a subscription product, subscription uh, allowing a brand to be able to forecast future revenue, customers are actually uh, more likely to stock up on product if we were to offer bulk purchasing. Um, and bulk could even be considered, you know, uh, in in the offer and, and uh, bundle and kidding merchandising vector is something that, you know, could actually help move the needle for a business buy two, get one free, not often uh, considered as a discounting strategy is actually a merchandising strategy, could be a way of really differentiating that consumer desire to move away from subscription and move more towards stocking up. And then seeking out is, you know, having uh, a merchandising strategy that allows for something new to sort of come all the time. You see brands, certainly, you know, what I would say is a direct consumer darling right now, a company like Parade, which has really just used their on-demand manufacturing and offshore manufacturing to drive a merchandising engine that just always has something new. It's kind of amazing uh, to watch. Of course, Parade might be the one company in my inbox that had the highest discount percentage the entire holiday season. I saw Parade have 50% discounts they offered for friends and family for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, as well as some new product launches. And I, I just thought that was really interesting. They were the only one that I saw provide that sort of level of discount. That's what we used to see. These doorbusters used to be giant discounts, but yeah, we just don't see that that level of discounting anymore. Um, you know, 25% might have been about the median. That's supported by the data from Salesforce saying 26% was, was about average. You know, finally, uh, there was an article over on payments.com you know, my favorite outlet and yours uh, for <laughs> for paid placement. Payments.com is a really payments industry focused online blog. And this article, uh, Black Friday results put pressure on Walmart to keep up with Amazon, really, you know, detailed some of these uh, Walmart v. Amazon uh, conversations that we'll have seen. Uh, payments did some primary research, finding that 71% of Black Friday shoppers made their online purchases at Amazon while 41% made digital purchases through Walmart. And then 28% did so through Target. So among the three, Amazon was certainly the clear winner there. This is, of course, a a smallish data set. So 2,060 consumers were surveyed on Friday and Saturday. Always pinch of salt in the data here is to say how many consumers that... (laughs) are answering a lengthy survey on, a, on you know, BFCM Friday and Saturday to answer how they just went shopping. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's an interesting data point. 
13% of holiday shoppers made purchases online rather than in store. And that, that actually lines up really interestingly. Um, the data, the data point actually comparatively, when you look at what some of these news art, what these news headlines, you know, CNBC had an article you know, on, on Saturday showing that uh, Black Friday foot traffic was down some 28%. Well, that was from the 2019 number. So <laughs> no crap Sherlock is is what I would probably say to maintain our, our family-friendly rating here on this podcast. I, I don't know what you would expect uh, to see is, uh, uh, yeah, people aren't in store the way they used to be. Also, that's been trending down for ages. Uh, who goes to the mall anymore? Anecdotally, uh, I would say I was in and out of the mall quite a bit uh, just prior to Black Friday, but I did not shop at all online or off uh, this holiday weekend. And that's uh, unusual for me. There just weren't any deals that really moved the needle. I'm sort of feeling like that the, the, the consumerist mindset around being purchasing for myself kind of feels icky this time of year, but something I certainly have done quite a bit of in years past. It's it's a big shopping season for a lot of people. I didn't shop this year. And that's really interesting. I I am usually the person shopping on Thanksgiving and Black Friday. I'm uh, squirreled away on the couch, uh, away from the family bustle, and uh, I'm, I'm checking out the deals. I will say I, I, the site I click through most often and the email offers I click through most often was Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, Saks was offering a tiered discount, something I find uh, very fascinating. They were offering, uh, you know, as much as $150 gift card on, uh, you know, $1,500 purchase. So akin to 10% off, I believe was the offer, uh, but it was stepped from purchases uh, 250 and up uh, with, you know, varying breakpoints. I did not bite. There just wasn't anything that really interested me. Through Cyber Monday, they had, you know, discounts as steep as 70% off supposedly, but I didn't find a single product with that, uh, uh, with that discount. Uh, Saint Laurent and you know some other brands that had some you know some inventory that apparently was clearance priced uh, again not something I witnessed uh, but was uh, touted in the email. It was a big weekend actually for NFTs. You know a number of NFT projects launched uh, efforts over uh, BFCM on uh, Black Friday. There was a uh, pool suite, uh, which is uh, the company that was rated on our nine by nine most recently. Uh, on our 9x9 report. And if you haven't actually checked out that 9x9 report, I highly recommend that you do. We put a lot of work into rating brands and, and trying to find the, you know, the brands that we believe, what we say is the 81 brands that are changing our world. Uh, you know, Pool Suite uh, ranked on this year's uh, 9x9, you know, formerly known as Poolside. You know, they operate that uh, streaming media and streaming audio service at uh, uh, poolside.fm. Uh, but Pool Suite actually unveiled its series of NFTs and uh, raised about two million dollars in the space of an hour, uh, selling NFTs, uh, which you know allowed them to uh, not seek a round of funding, but to uh, put that money to work on uh, future projects. And uh, they, they had two levels of NFTs. One was a executive member NFT of which there were only 2,400, sorry, 2,500 uh, that were issued. They sold originally for 0.2 ETH, which uh, at the time of the purchase, uh, I think equated to somewhere in the tune of 450-ish dollars, maybe 500 US dollars. You know, they're going for almost, you know, there's offers right now uh, in the secondary market on OpenSea going for as much as one ETH uh, for Pool Suite membership as people are, are desperately trying to get in on this, uh, you know, with the, the promise of future perks. Uh, they've updated their website to allow signing in with this NFT. Uh, so you get access to a playlist and then there's, you know, 
uh, a, a promised forthcoming uh, series of events that would allow you uh, access, a- including an Art Basel event here in Miami this weekend that would you know give you access to some pool suite uh, sponsored event with your NFT, your executive membership privilege. Uh, they also had a one-of-one one patron of the pool uh, that was on auction that I think went for about uh, 45 ETH, uh, which is just an astounding amount of money. Um, if you, I'm just going to calculate it now at today's uh, market rate um, at uh, $4,700 for uh, US ETH, 45 uh, ETH would be about $211,000. And that's just bonkers. The purchaser was unknown and anonymous. And so now Pool Suite is trying to figure out who that was exactly. <laughs> so welcome to the, the future of of, <laughs> of fundraising and uh, and pseudo anonymity and uh, and you know and I guess just you know on chain uh, purchase behavior. Uh, so congratulations to Pool Suite! What an amazing thing! If you want to hear more about why we rated uh, Pool Suite as being a standout company and one that could actually marry the metaverse to the physical universe for their their forward thinking approach and you know everything from fragrance and sunscreen launches to. <laughs> 1990s style uh, computer web, uh, you know, anti-design design, brutalist design on the web. Hey, Pool Suite's doing it all. You can check out our nine by nine report. That's uh, nine by nine. Just write it out as, as words, nine by nine dot report and uh, download the report. It'll show you how, how we are thinking about how Pool Suite is changing direct to consumer. And then, you know, just to kind of wrap up some thoughts here, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe maybe I lied. I got an executive member for Pool Suite uh, NFT. I got it at the Mint. And um, uh, so maybe I did purchase something on Black Friday. It just, and it was for me. So it was selfish. So I guess I'm a liar. Uh, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, uh, I don't know if that counts. Um, it was a product launch, not necessarily a discount. I guess, you know, I'm going to rationalize it in my mind. You know, some other things that I think are really sort of fitting for this time of year is, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the the changes in e-commerce landscape and sort of the changes of the of the business uh, side of running uh, e-commerce and direct to consumer and how the, you know, the skill set has changed so dramatically over the last couple of years. It used to be that you had to have some knowledge of engineering and, and project management and outside agency vetting. But in this wild, you know, crazy new world where, you know, you kind of have to be an exit, you know, excellent at retention marketing. You can't really rely on uh, customer acquisition through paid channels like you could in years past. You have to have some knowledge of the metaverse. You know, these are all things that are, you know, uh, changing the way that brands are interacting with customers. It changes the job description for an e-commerce director or VP of digital. And uh, I'm curious how that is, you know, how that not just is changing the playbook, but it's, it's changing the job rec in is as, you know, e-com brands become more digital. You know, certainly we have one outlook at Future Commerce that is, you know, much more forward thinking and there's brands that, you know, aren't even up to speed. You know, the future is is here but not equally distributed yet for sure. Um, but if online activity and sales and Black Friday uh, are any indication, uh, you know, if sales are flat year over year, a lot of brands are going to be looking for incrementality. And if you look at how uh, the big brands, you know, the the market leaders are making investments in metaverse, uh, it, it seems like this might be an area where more brands are going to make uh, uh, investments and I would say, you know, become more experimental. Uh, and so, you know, one thing we are forecasting, and it, it was in our nine by nine report, 
is that the metaverse is here. And so when you see Nike and Adidas and Gucci, uh, you know, building worlds of their own, uh, it, it sort of makes you sit up and take notice. Um, I wrote a piece on Future Commerce Insiders uh, about the Pygmalion uh, effect and how uh, Meta, the artist formerly known as Facebook, Meta will be really setting the, the, the tone here and you know, staking their entire future on the metaverse. Uh, well, how can you not participate or at least have some sort of outlook or point of view about it? That's, that's required now uh, in your job as you're thinking about the future in the next three to five years. So certainly the future of membership and loyalty could be a, a metaverse play. It could be a Web3 play for many brands. But you at least need a point of view, and that means you need to learn a little something about it. I'm curious if that's affecting how you're thinking about uh, 2022 and beyond. And and uh, if so, then there needs to be an entire ecosystem that rises to meet that need and demand. Uh, and so I think this was re- a really interesting future signal that I saw uh, over on Twitter. Michael Miraflor uh, shared a story about the the first named um agency of record in the metaverse, a story over here on agency spy, which is a ad week property has a story uh, from yesterday saying that boson protocol uh, has named futures intelligence group as in a metaverse agency of record. Uh, I think this is the first story of its type and probably a hint about where we're probably going to see a lot of agency activity as they start to try to get into that arbitrage space of having not just a point of view about the metaverse, but looking at brands like Budweiser, who, you know, just changed their Twitter handle to beer.eth to say, hey, uh, a lot of brands are actually putting a lot of stock and maybe a little bit of risk into building out some kind of capability uh, amongst the crypto crowd. Is it a bubble? Maybe. Is it something that we need to care about? Probably. Is it something we're going to talk about for next Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, So yeah, uh, be on the lookout and uh, we'll keep you in the know here on Future Commerce. And hey, uh, subscribe to this podcast. I want to know what you think. Is your job changing? You worried (laughs) about the skill set that it takes to be a VP of digital or a director of e-com here in the in the modern cloud era and maybe in the in the transition to web three. These are all things that I think could be existential risks for all of us in our jobs and understanding what it takes to be successful. And uh, I want to hear from you as to how you're going to deal with that. Drop me a line. Uh, you can email us at hello at futurecommerce.fm. And uh, hey, while you're at it, if you want to support this podcast, the best way to do that is to subscribe so you don't miss out on anything that we are putting out we put out two written pieces a week, Insiders and The Senses. Uh, they come out every Wednesday and Friday, and you can get them all at once by subscribing over at futurecommerce.fm slash subscribe. And uh, I mentioned it a few times, but our most recent omnibus report, our biggest report of the year, loaded with data and insights, uh, the nine categories and nine brains piece that are changing our world. It's called Nine by Nine. Go download that report. It is free for you as a subscriber. You can get that at ninebynine.report. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast. And hey, remember, uh, the future is what we make of it. Uh, Let's build the future together. Thank you for listening to Future Commerce.